0: This is Coda Radio, episode 250 for March 27th, 2017. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode's brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Scale Your Code. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris, and joining us every single week, sometimes lurking in your room, ninja style, why yes, it's Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello, Mike. Duh, duh. Yeah. Of, oh, duh. Yeah. oh, oh, oh. <laughs> D- don't, don't, careful, be careful, your American was slipping, don't want to, got to maintain you know, cover, it's hard,
1: got to maintain know, cover, yeah, I've been watching
0: a lot of Tom Hartman, <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's real gripping television, that RT, isn't it, the production quality yeah. is uh, super top notch, uh, this is what a typical RT set sounds like, <sighs> <laughs> it's just the worst. It's the worst production quality. When they're, when the, when RT is labeled as uh, the Russian government's propaganda arm for the world, uh, I know that we are in no danger. We are in no danger. <laughs> oh, come on. you got to love it. Do you even get it in your area? It's not on most people's uh, TV lines. By the way,
1: they don't have that problem on YouTube.
0: Oh, you're watching it on they're the YouTube. So you're getting tracked. You're going to get tracked. You know, this is what causes AT&T to pull out is because they have showed AT&T ads next to RT, man. You're part of the problem. You see, you hear about this how screw, how screwed Google is right now. That uh, Johnson yeah, and Johnson, think... uh, J.P. Morgan, AT and T, a lot of Starbucks, Walmart—they're all pulling out of uh, Google advertising on on YouTube because I didn't
1: think it was because of RT though. I no, thought it it's, was it's just
0: well, no, just extremist videos. But I you see, RT is an extremist propaganda operation, ergo that none an filter, and maybe a little oh, Quota Radio from time to time. Well, you know what I? Uh, whoa! What? What? Huh? What was that comment? I'd- we're gonna do a little. Uh, we're gonna do a little propaganda busting later on in the show too. Okay. Some hard oh, numbers. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, I'm actually. I'm also really looking forward to hearing about your new pipeline. You've uh, you've been tweeting about this, but we haven't really talked about it on the show for like three weeks. I don't understand why. And uh, so we're gonna write that wrong today. Mike's been laying why? some
1: pipes. You want to know why? It's because as soon as I got the information, yeah, I drove to the White House sure. like Chase Nunez.
0: Yeah. No, no, not and no. It's t- not Chase. No. Damn it! No, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen his Twitter feed? at Nunes. I have. At Nunes. My buddy my buddy Chase, co-host of Unfilter, happens to have the same last name as Representative Nunes, and people just assume that Representative Nunes has the at Nunes Twitter handle. And so all day long, Chase is responding to people freaking the F out at the wrong person. They're adding him, and so he's just having a lot of fun with it to a degree. <laughs> I think it's starting to get on his nerves now because it's draining his uh, phone battery. <laughs> <laughs> So yes, yes, friends, yes. We'll be doing some of that today. We'll be a little propaganda busting. Uh, yeah, I'm love, so I'm looking forward to learning about your new pipe. Um, but there was also a news story that kind of matters, and it could matter a lot for developers themselves down the road, especially open source developers. Totally didn't get a chance to talk about that recently. So we're going to do some make goods in this episode, plus a really cool tool towards the end that will make you look like a pro if you're, not, you know, if you're struggling, especially with your bash script. You're bad. You got problems with your bash, boy? I feel bad for you. Oh, man, that's a lot of bees. That was pretty good. All right, Mr. Dominic, are you ready to charge into the news this week, the hoopla as it was? I did not collect a lot of feedback because I've still, I'm still i still dealing with a lot of other. So my total feedback mechanisms are totally blown out. I apologize about that. Uh, but I did get some good hoopla this week. And I do have maybe a little admin we could take care of right here. Um, let me do a little, little paper shuffling here. Um, Mike's going into rehab, so we're going to record a double for next week. Ah!
1: <laughs> you know, you can only have so much Stoli with uh, Putin before you have to stop.
0: Uh, no, I'm going down to Texas and I'll be driving. I'll be on the road driving like a madman. It's going to be part of the last push. I'll probably be driving for 11 hours Monday. So I will not be able to do Kota Radio. So we're going to record a double on Thursday, this Thursday, coming up if now, you'd like to join us. So is
1: Mexico paying for your trip to Texas?
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, not directly, but you see through a tax on trade, eventually I'm going to make it up over a 10-year period. But initially, uh, no, we'll be paying out of pocket. Are you visiting Dell while you're down there? Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. Yep, I'm Um, I'm going to go go down there and look at their uh, XPS line of machines, first of all, and of course all their other equipment. But the, I, I, I just you know I've been talking more and more to their people uh, because there's a few fans of the network that work down there in their Linux area, and right. um, we've had a couple of their folks on our shows on Linux Unplugged. So basically, had a dialogue going, and uh, they're I think they're getting uh, they're getting serious about that whole like sysadmin, web dev, DevOps needs needs hardware, and MacBook isn't cutting. They won't say it, they won't say it, but it, that's uh, to me it seems like they're they're getting. They got they got a fire in their belly about it. So I'm going down there to get get the inside now, scoop. The code name for that project is Sputnik, right? Yes. Yes, comrade. Yes.
1: Yes, more Russian
0: propaganda. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you see, the project is uh, seven years old, I think. So the problem is, is uh, we really liked the Russians back then. See, early into the Obama administration, it's only it's only been in the last two years that the left doesn't like Russians. Until then, it was the right that didn't like the Russians and the left liked the Russians. You see, so we we named a lot of things after the Russians, sort of tongue in cheek. But now, yeah, maybe the name doesn't age as well. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. What are you talking about? I have a little script I run that I call Vladimir Lenin. Yeah. I actually kind of think it's a fun name, uh, and it's, a, I, it's a, it also is well-fitting because it's a, it's sort of a skunkworks project that w- well yes. it was a skunkworks project inside the Dell, which has now grown to be pretty big. It's kind of fascinating.
1: All right, let's do it.
0: All right. So let's start with the thing that we probably should have talked about earlier. Gitter is joining GitLab. Uh, this is kind of a big story, and Gitter is going to essentially operate as a standalone network still, making uh, all kinds of uh, claims about how it's not going in anywhere, but with lots of hints about where it may be going long-term. They say, in the coming years, we want to work with a wider community to make Gitter a great help to run open-source communities, which kind of sounds like maybe they're gunning for Slack territory right there when I hear that. We'll focus our attention in adding login with GitLab, GitLab backed with Gitter communities, and finishing the topics feature that is already released in our beta. Um now this is this is so so Gitter, Gitter and GitLab this acquisition kind of makes pretty, pretty a lot of sense in fact they say it's part of our strategic plan to become the most popular software as a service solution for public repositories and then down here in the uh, Q&A they say uh, when do you plan to open source Gitter because this is a big part of the story they're going to be open sourcing it they say we expect to have this completed and to move the code over to GitLab no later than June 2017. Now, I was getting a lot of Slack vibes off this. And in their fact, they say, well, what about Mattermost? How is this going to be different? Because Mattermost is also sort of an open source collaboration communication tool. They say, Mattermost is powerful, an integrated messaging product for team collaboration. We'll continue to ship and recommend using Mattermost for internal team communication. And then they kind of crap on Slack a little bit. And then, they, and then they, they promote the benefits of, of Gitter, which is public conversation history, completely unlimited, open, archived, indexed by Google and probably Bing. Um, and they say it contributes to the public knowledge base of the internet. It's more in the open source tradition. And there's an article on InfoWorld by uh, Sadar that speculates that, yeah, this is going to be the open source legitimate competitor to Slack – because the real dirty secret of a lot of open source projects now, I mean a lot of open source projects now, is they're using Slack to organize and plan a lot of aspects of the distrib- uh, of whatever okay, the project so is. So
1: am I the only one who just like doesn't get Gitter?
0: Well, I think of it as co- sort of like a uh, chat system around around GitLab. So I don't know. I think it kind of makes sense. I, I guess I, I guess I don't understand. I didn't understand it before this. Like, why would you stand this up just for like a project or something like that? But I, I right. uh, because that's not really how an internal team works. You already have an, you have an existing established place. You're communicating when you bring on new projects. You just continue in that, uh, i.e., Slack. But you do right. need. But there is a real demand, I think, for something that is public, that is open, that's open to the web for open source projects. Like, why not IRC? I, well, or why not a mailing list? Well,
1: Because a mailing look, list look, is super these, inconvenient. These like are the same, just,
0: but these are the same questions people ask when they debate using Slack. Why not just use well, RSC? No, there's an obvious use case
1: for Slack. We need to get the sales people, the customer service people, and the non-technical people in Slack, and RSC can be very not friendly to those sorts of All right
0: of people, well, so, right? so take a take a medium to large size open source project you got you got okay. your you got your community management folks you got art people you got PR people potentially you got developers you might even have uh, some sort of board um there could be a lot of people like i i know the like for example the freebsd project currently relies very heavily on IRC channels for uh for a lot of collaboration and it's not just collaboration with just the core development team although that's some of it they also work with a lot of people that work around FreeBSD with the documentation and the art and stuff. So I, I could see something like that. You know, you take you take a project that's public on the web. Maybe it's a, maybe it's even something like Rust, right? And you know, this is a this is a community around it that is sort of Slack like. I don't know. I'm 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 obviously just trying to I'm trying to I'm trying yeah. to picture it here. I actually think this is probably why it's a good good acquisition because I don't really see Gitter as a standout on its own. Well, I. So I don't think it's bad, right? I'm just—I uh, was surprised at
1: how much feedback and how how much kind of uh, just general chatter there was about this. When to me it just looked like, okay, so GitLab bought a communications tool.
0: Mm-hmm. Everybody, you know what? You know what? Actually, I think what I what what we what I'm missing to this story is how much it annoys me that everybody wants to be Slack. Microsoft wants to be Slack. GitLab wants to be Slack. Uh, Hangouts wants to be Slack now. Google Hangouts is turning into Slack. Everything's becoming okay. Slack. You have one. You have one market hit, and now everybody tries to do that. Well, this
1: is again the. Remember, about two years ago, everybody wanted to be the Uber of you know insert thing here.
0: Now everybody wants to be the Slack of. Maybe it's because right. maybe because they feel like bots. You know, this is like the precursor to having a good bot ecosystem, and bots are going to be a big hit. <laughs> bots are the next. I don't know what it is, but it, it's funny because to me. When is this ever really truly successful? With a few exceptions, and there are some that I can think of, but with a few exceptions, when, is it ever truly, when does it ever work where you have a, 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 a market so dominant they become the Kleenex of a market? They become the TiVo of DVRs, the Kleenex of the market. They're slack. When, when, in, when, when technology reaches this point, when does usually somebody else's technology come along and replace it? Generally, they don't until it's a totally different paradigm. But yet, tech yeah. yet yet tech just has so much. These companies have so much money, dude. They have so much money that they can yeah, just. I don't,
1: it, I don't think GitLab has that much money, right? The, 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 compared I mean, to, you I, compared wow, to you and I, they do.
0: Compared sure. to you and I, they do. I don't. Know, I just. I. It's okay. All right, we can get off it. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Uh, Gitter has been bought by GitLab, and it actually I think I think it's a great thing for Gitter and their team. And I think it's probably going to be a good integration with projects that you have on GitHub or GitLab, even. Uh, we will shall see. We shall see. All yeah, right.
1: Also, uh, GitLab wanting to be the number one destination for open source repos—that's going to be challenging. Do uh, you think GitHub still exists? Right.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I, I mean, yeah. GitHub GitHub's always going to be the champion, but I mean, if you remove that and just say, well, people are looking for another solution besides GitHub, it seems like it has a pretty good shot. I don't know. I mean, this is a topic for a different day, but I'm seeing a lot
1: of like, oh, if you want to get this contract, can you submit like you or the developer who's going to be working on the project's GitHub resume? You, are, GitHub,
0: you uh, are particularly excited about talking about your pipeline here. I can tell. You are fired up about this. I love it. This is, this is awesome. Let's do it. Okay. So yeah, let's talk about it. So uh, Mr. Dominic is is uh, is not just in on Docker. He's all in no, with no. Docker and Rails and the entire pipeline. In fact, it's a Docker-powered Rails testing pipeline. Tell me about it.
1: So it runs on Bitbucket, hence my, uh, you know, taking a shot at GitLab, but not really. It basically, let's let's take a thousand feet in the air here, right? All right. It will run your, uh, in my case, RSpec Rails tests automatically when you merge or push a commit to a branch. That's not super impressive. The impressive part about this is that it's built in as part of Bitbucket and you don't have to pay more for it and you don't have to do a bunch of configuration. You know, one of the largest things I see now when I go onto client sites, particularly people looking to move to Docker, um, perhaps with like a Doku continuous deployment solution, is that they're like, Yeah, we sort of wish we did testing, but like I don't want to set up a Jenkins box. And I don't want to spend a lot of money because, uh, Chris, you'll remember about two years ago, we had the CodeShip guys on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they have a solution like this that is actually significantly more robust than pipelines. But what I'm loving about pipelines is you literally re- write one .y, .yaml, write YML file, and you are good to go get commit, get push, and it will run those tests and you can integrate it with Slack and presumably Gitter since we were just talking about it. And, and and you can with a hip cause it's an Atlassian product and it will actually like show, like we have a dev channel at, at uh, Buccaneer and it will show you like, did the build fail?
0: So that's pass. pretty cool. That's, you know, we do that with some production stuff here in Slack. It uh, drops in little notes and, I can just check in on that and see. And it's just automated stuff that I just check in on. So that you can – because it's – and the reason why I like it is, is not because it's hipster to have Slack integration but because that's a space, that's a work area that I'm in already. And so I'm already checking that stuff. That's one of the reasons why I'm starting to put more into Telegram too. It's I'm already in Telegram. So if you put something in there, I am, I am phenomenally more likely to see it. Just, it's just – versus something like showing up, like sending me an automated email. First of all, they'll probably get lost in a tab somewhere. And second of all, I'm probably only checking my email once a day now. And so, putting it where I'm working or where my team is working is uh, it's a huge plus. It's a it's a re- that's a really that's a really nice aspect that uh, right. I think is uh, maybe an undersold of one of the integration things with Slack is it's sort of an undersold consideration.
1: I mean, I was um, I got this up and running one evening in about 15 minutes. Now, before all the GitHub fans and GitLab fans jump on me, yes, both of them have a version of something like this. I'm not super familiar with GitLabs. Um, GitHub. I
0: See, the problem here, Chris, is people are lazy. Can we just say that? That's another reason why Slack is popular, too. And things like right. that. because you can get it set up in minutes instead of having to stand well, up a server. Well, but-
1: exactly. That's what I want to get to, the standing up a server, like standing up a Jenkins server. Budgets have never really been tighter, right? I mean, because, you know, as... As things have become more commoditized, there's more open source libraries, you can get a lot done with a lot less manpower now. People are really reluctant to say, yeah, sure, you know, go spend a day spinning up a Jenkins server and do this custom workflow. Um, and I've actually been in conversations with customers where that's the reason they're not doing testing, is that someone would have to like maintain a build server. So this takes that away. This basically says if you're running Bitbucket that's it, right? You run it on Pipelines. Pipelines is built into the repo. Mm-hmm. It runs the test. Right now, I'm t- I'm doing it with RSpec and, uh, and Ruby on Rails, but it runs a whole bunch of other kind of tests. I also think this would be pretty interesting for startups because, again, it's like no work to implement, right? Assuming you actually have some tests. If you have no tests, obviously, you have to write tests. But yeah, I mean, I have a, uh, a quick post on Buccaneer.io on how to do it. I think this is probably the direction that, a lot of people are going to go in um, if only because you know, it's just easier to get started with. Hmm. It almost reminds me of hosted email in you know, to make a really weird analogy instead of having like an exchange server. Cause once you take that it admin out of it, you're, you're just in better shape.
0: That hurts a little bit, but I actually kind of understand what you mean because it's, it is less – it's it's like bringing in IT is – it's a whole layer of work that you just don't even want to have time to like even conceptualize let alone do. And so when right. you can just go click a few buttons and it's infrastructure on the pennies and everything connects up and the services you already use are set to go. It's hard to – it's hard to – even because – here's the other thing about this. Actually – You know what? I have two thoughts about this. Uh, Because two things jump out at me. Um, First of all, it seems like it's pretty nice for you because it's something you're able to stand up pretty quick and get a pretty high amount of value for the amount of time you put into setting it up.
1: You have to do nothing, right? You have to write the YML file. It's already built in. Um, My only complaint was it's a little slow. So when you do a merge request or a push, it can take several minutes for it to actually do the build.
0: You know, the old argument against things like this was... uh, The old argument against things like this was, well, you don't know how it's working. You couldn't build this yourself. Do you remember that? Like people, well, you're using a magic setup here. How do you know how? You're just clicking buttons and everything's connecting for you. You you couldn't rebuild this on your own. Um, And I would would argue that maybe that argument isn't really valid anymore. I have a couple ideas. Uh, Let's take a moment and talk about a way that you can also roll your own infrastructure. You can roll things up, stand things up, play with GitLab, things like that. Play around with Docker. Yes, 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 yes. Integrate Bitbucket with DigitalOcean. Yes, all of it's possible. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. It's one word. You apply it after you create an account. You create the account with a really cool username. I don't know. Oh, wait, what's that? Oh. Well, then they first have to go get a cool email. Why Why do I care? Just go get a good email. I don't care. Put your email address in there, sign up. This guy over here. Put your email address in there, sign up, and then use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. You apply that to your account. You get a $10 credit. You can play around with, like, the $5 a month rig. For two months, for free. Go build yourself some infrastructure, run it on a Linux box or a free BSD machine. All SSDs up and down. You can get started in less than 55 seconds with a very simple, intuitive, easy, and snappy interface. Data centers in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, London, Toronto, Germany. Highly available block storage, which I love this because you can not only can you add additional storage as you need or remove that storage. Hello, ZFS. But you can also move it to other droplets. <laughs> How about that? When you combine that with their simple-to-use interface, their straightforward pricing, really easy to understand. You're not going to be surprised. Not, you're not going to get bit by uh, like, a, like a CPU usage fee, <laughs> which, I, which I have in the past and other providers. They have hourly pricing, so you can run up a really, really nice rig. for like. Here's one for $0.06 cents an hour. Say you want to try out like a crazy project. You, would, you, know what, you don't even need that rig though, really. I can't try to think of a project you'd want. To, three cents an hour, you get two gigs of RAM, a two-core processor, a 40-gigabyte gigabyte SSD, and a three-terabyte transfer. A three-terabyte ter- ter- transfer with, with a two-core – you guys, a two-core processor. That's a really great deal. You combine that with the fact that they have this API that, honestly, this should, this should they should open up an API school. Look at this. This is the – well, it's kind of cut off on my screen. But this is the documentation for their API. It's so good, guys. We have a bunch of really easy-to-use tools built around it ourselves. Come on. If we can do it. You could definitely do it. I think one of the coolest, like, pro products they offer in their whole lineup – because I could just go on and on, but I'll just wrap it up with this. They offer this load balancer system. You can perform – you can you can improve not only do you improve performance, but it's great for the, set, the setup factor. We were just talking about like this is something, this is something that people have spent careers building, and now it's just integrated into the DigitalOcean service and into the dashboard. It's a check a box kind of thing. You can do HTTP, HTTPS, TLS. Like you can you you can it's a really pro setup, and you can be. Boom, all over the world, your content's immediately available, scaled to traffic of any size, itty-bitty or huge. It's so so pro. That's many things you can take advantage of. There's a lot. There's a lot, but I'm just going to mention that one today. DigitalOcean.com, use the promo code CODERDIGITAL, and a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring this here Coder Radio program. So I guess let's talk. Let's start with a with the elephant in the room. Uh, you know, you and I have uh, been critical of Docker recently, but you are so all in on Docker with this setup. You are basically married to Docker in this setup. Do you have any reservations about that?
1: No, I'm. You know, I've actually basically been standardizing on Docker for a lot of things.
0: A lot of people have. <laughs> my, yeah, my, my criticism is, is from a place of love. You know, right? Docker's won when FreeNAS has switched over to Docker to do plugins, like the BSD file server is now using Docker. Docker. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Windows was running Docker. Docker's won that kind of that layer of containerization where it's you want to deliver products and you wanna this kind of stuff. You want to do in between services type stuff. I think Docker's won. I there's lots of great containers for different use cases, but for this I think Docker's one. All right, so that's just a Docker. Well, and, and
1: for I mean, and for disaster recovery scenarios, uh, just dealing with Docker containers can be a lot more efficient and easier to set up.
0: So if this and, was uh oh go ahead. No, go ahead. If this was something that you were doing, I just I, I want to touch on this for a moment because I think it I think it it sort of underscores why you find this to be exciting. Um, when I was still when I back in my day when I was still a sysadmin to set something up like because I set up things sort of like this, it was a series of bash scripts that use SCP and rsync, uh, FTP, SVN, and uh, an HTTP server, and um... And then, and then a production and a test system. And I had to build this entire system. And it took me, took me about four or five days to get it all right. And then it took us about two weeks of um, tweaking and refining. Oh, okay, I do need a little web interface so I can push a button and little things like that. And so it would be, you know, in a total, it's probably a two-and-a-half, three-week process to get a system that the developers could use to do something like this. And that's, you know, to do that, it requires to have a server admin, and in, in this case, also, there was a server manager <laughs> um, uh, you know and it requires having having essentially the the capacity to wait yeah. a th- to have a three week lead before you can have a tool and now you do it in minutes and it so do you have any reflection on that do you do you worry about the fact that this could become a core function of your of your workflow and you don't have any real control or oversight over it? So- yeah, I mean, there
1: there, are, there is like a matrix in my mind of like advantages and dis- disadvantages of pipelines, right? Um, and actually, one, one other thing I'd like to just mention quickly is one of the biggest advantages, other than the speed of setup, is many enterprises are already bought into the Atlassian toolchain, mm-hmm. right? Bitbucket is part of. And getting them to use an outside service is basically like pulling teeth. Um, that... It, it is hard if you've never done work in the enterprise, which Chris, I know you have, it is hard to really exaggerate like how you know
0: I, per, how so can large I say it's like preferred hear, vendors, right? It's, well, like, it's infer- part of it is also like once a brand in the enterprise space becomes trusted as 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 business friendly to them, it is there there has to be quite literally a business prerogative to switch to something else. Like it has to, there has to be a way to demonstrate an advantage to the business to right. use something, even something as simple as uh, a tool.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's that, that is a huge advantage, right? Cause a lot of enterprises are running versions of Atlassian or they're running on the Atlassian cloud. And that means they already have
0: this. Also, if you say you things like this. Bitbucket and Docker, they've actually heard those words before. They've heard those words. Um,
1: the disadvantage that you bring up of the lock in is true, but I don't think it's funny that you went right to I would spin up a server and like use rsync and do all this stuff. I would never do that anyway.
0: Right. Right. I, and I wouldn't what do it would today, do is, I don't think, but back that's how you would have done it back in back the day. Then,
1: right. I mean, the alternative to this is CodeShip in my mind. I mean, those are the two. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm there pretty, is, uh, and
0: there is a couple of other like you string them together a little more to yourself. It's not quite quite as much of like push a button, button, button. But I do know there's like, like yeah, there's product. and there's a couple of open source projects that I've talked to that are using essentially like they use DigitalOcean whenever something whenever something new gets new posted on GitHub, they build it on. They have a system yep. that builds it and yeah. Well, do you can spin up a Jenkins box, right? Yeah, so that, yeah you can do that, too. Click yep.
1: mm-hmm. So there are there are like gradients of self-service and and magic here. I see I we've talked about testing a lot and I'm just starting to really buy into it, but not to the point where I want to maintain like five droplets to yeah, do it. Yeah. Yep. I much rather, you know, I already pay for Atlassian, so having it on Bitbucket makes sense. And in cases where I want like a more robust continuous integration solution with, you know, automatic deployments, things like that, that, you know, code chip I found a very useful tool. Um, and you know, there are They've been around for a while now. I mean, I don't know yep. how many, how long we had them on the show, but they've actually grown with something. A product of theirs called the Docker CLI, which is kind of their branded thing. But basically, they have a Docker just like pipelines. It is Docker powered. It understands Docker containers, and your entire deployment, um, continuous integration CI in quotes, DevOps in quotes, workflow is is Docker. Which again, standardization that makes my life. 400 times easier yeah and if the client ever wants to fire me well they just have to find somebody else who knows docker yeah they don't have to like it's not it's not my crazy custom scripts
0: and the reverse is true too if you come in and it's taking off and you know you've you've invested your time in docker there's a much higher likelihood that that skill set's going to be applicable to uh, a client i mean you're going to come into a client that's way more likely to be using docker and your skill set will be a better match than if you had yeah, I, I grok. I grok. So, and here's the other thing I was going to ask you about lock-in, though, going back to the core question, is sure. because there's these gradients of do-it-yourself and there's actual almost direct competitors, it, it feels like the lock-in issue is not as, as much as an issue as it used to be to me, because you could actually wholesale roll this yourself if you had to. The only real The only real issues you have in this is Bitbucket shuts your account down or... Or GitHub shuts your account down or something like right? that. There, some, there could be like an account issue. But for the most right. part, these companies are pretty established now too. It's not, they're not nearly as fly-by-night as they were four or five years ago when that, or even two years ago when people were really debating this. So I feel like the lock-in issue is not as pronounced anymore either. And the magic issue is not quite as pronounced because you can, you can go find your gradient that works best for you. It's like the, we've, we've settled on this whole range of solutions all the way from the fully automated to the completely custom roll-it-yourself. Uh, and I find that to be fascinating looking back at it because it just sort of naturally all clicked into place while we were all debating what, how it was going to shake out. <laughs>
1: you know what I mean? Yeah, and it, It's weird how all of these solutions are basically Docker-powered too, right? I mean, I talked about you have to write one YML file. Well, guess what? That is like running Docker commands. A, a, the interface that you're coding, against here is really Docker in terms of the deployment. Obviously, your Rails app or your Node app is whatever it is. Um. And I almost think that 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 you're focusing on, a, on an open source, um, you know, com- the platform I want to be a little, little, little careful about saying community because Docker Inc does exist, right? And they right. do things. Um, but right, this shared platform, as long as you're not going deep into the proprietary configuration stuff in any of these platforms, you should be reasonably portable, if not totally portable between them. Um I mean, even Amazon now has Docker power, like Docker is a first class citizen. You just load up your Docker container and they will try to run it on some version of EC2.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's sort of akin to uh, file formats. The, you, could, you could be using Excel and I could be using LibreOffice, but as long as we're using an open file format, we can still exchange it. In a sense. It's sort of like Docker is the, is the piece you're moving around. The container is what you're moving around. Um, and you know you can go a layer below that. What well, so the, what's really the platform and all of this? It's Linux. It's C names. It's 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 really it's Linux.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say that the the hardest challenge, well, not the hardest, but one surprising challenge I very recently had was getting this all running on an older version of Rel.
0: I'm sorry about um, that. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you should be. Yeah, that's rough, man.
1: Yeah, uh, but even then, it was like you know I. You just have to do it, right? You
0: just have to figure it out, Whew.
1: and that, and, and Red Hat themselves are actually totally embracing
0: Docker too. Yeah, oh yeah, oh boy, they're sure just we are. Taking a little longer, I think. I think they're one of the reasons why Docker one dot O shipped before it should have. Um, hmm. All right, <laughs> well, ho, ho,
1: ho, ho, Mr. Dominic, back in my day, we didn't have containers. You know what, Chris? There are villains,
0: but there are also heroes. That's true, and with great responsibility comes comes great power. Wait, what? Um, do you want to do a quick, couple of really quick headlines, or do you have any more on uh, your new pipeline? Well,
1: Which I do did. This, uh, let's do the story that uh, Colonel Linux shared, the how to prevent coding heroes from destroying the team. Oh, interesting. Did you, did you not see my
0: good segue there? <laughs> so coding heroes. Now, who, what defines a coding hero? Uh,
1: so guy who basically saves the servers when they're on fire, stays up all night, all that kind of stuff.
0: Oh, oh, okay. So you mean like the guy, the guy that goes above and beyond to save the team? Yes. The guy that does uh, all the work cuz you know let's be honest. Okay, hold ooh. on. Now. Let's kill him. let's get into it right, because here's the thing, Mr. Dominic. <sighs> let's be honest about teams. How many times you've been in a team? Not all of them. I've been in some great teams. How many times you've been in a team where it's it's a group of people and uh, 75 to 85% of them are not doing the work. There's a small majority that ends up doing all of the work. That's a very frequent thing. So is that a coding hero or is that somebody just getting the job done?
1: I ask you. Wow, no, that is an interesting take on this article.
0: <laughs> I haven't read it yet, but you get me fired nice. up. You got me fired up with your introduction.
1: Yeah. So your, your, your assumption is that we're back in middle school. Wow. Uh, we've ended a horrible team project. Yikes. And uh, the kid with the glasses is going to do the whole thing, huh?
0: Well, uh, to a degree, that does seem to be what happens even in the uh, what we like to call adult world. That does seem to happen. Hmm. Now, so I think. I'm not only saying it's one person, it's usually a couple of people. Oh,
1: right. no. So, okay. So, uh, Fangir Brock, I'm sorry I butchered your name. His point here is that the heroes who are doing these late night, save the server, sleep at the server, yeah. kind of like startup okay. hero stuff, are actually doing damage because all they're doing is, you know, little. I, it reminds me of the little Dutch boy, right? They're putting their finger in the dike, and it's great for now, but. There's that.
0: There's also okay. the article, the points that the article make that do resonate with me is the uh, they say this one. They can be the only ones to know about specifics of something, providing information for those who seek it. But they don't have the habit of sharing that information, which is increases, which increases their truck factor. I do completely agree. And I have often accidentally become that person.
1: I'm conflicted on this, right? I don't think that like saving the servers when the shit's going down is a bad thing. Um, I actually want to defend the heroes a little bit because sometimes you just need to like quick and dirty get things done, especially in a crisis. I would actually blame the managers who got you to the crisis, right? The sales manager who oversold a a timeline, right, that wasn't really hittable um the let's just blame sales guys the sales guy who underbid a contract right the startup ceo who burned through too much money too fast and you have to get this out to get your next round of funding um the it manager who somehow is managing developers and doesn't understand how long things take yeah yeah and doesn't want to invest in existing systems right that all seems bad i mean i'm Currently doing an update project, updating are, apps from Rails 2 to 5. It's you know, horrible. Mr.
0: Dominic, we are all a product of our environment. Oh, here we go. And sometimes, we, sometimes, uh, you know, the, the guy staying up late at night or the girl staying up late at night, the gal, they may not be the hero that we want, but they're the hero we need.
1: So sort of like Donald Trump.
0: Oh my, I Okay, I don't have a response to that. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. All right. I, so uh, I'm kind of conflicted on this issue. I feel like I, this is one of those topics I could reflect on for a bit and save more. Uh, this says basically if they're the person they're saving the day, there's a the reason why they have the title heroes. And despite first impressions, it may not be a good thing to have that title because fixing the surface of a burning problem temporarily is the same thing as fixing its root cause.
1: All right, I think we should open this to the to the listeners and let them uh, reply back for Thursday's show. Okay, but I I, I would argue that means they got to get on the, the horse quick. The hero's not really to blame, right? W- what we're really talking about here is a Gotham City like situation where the managers, i.e., you know the mayor or whatever, have let things get so crappy and neglected basic infrastructure, and basic maintenance that. You need a hero, and the hero has to be kind of rough and crazy or, you know, in coding terms, can I, basically a cowboy. Can I, right? can I fork where
0: you're going for a second? I want to fork, fork your it. idea because I not only do I agree with what you've said so far, but I want to contribute back that uh, to me when I read this article, the more I read it, what it sounds like is one of these um, – one of these PMOs or uh, one of these staff people that you've seen somewhere at a business you've worked at where they essentially just look at their Outlook calendar all day and then they go to their next meeting and then they come back and they sit down and they look at Outlook and they spend their entire day in Outlook and then when they're not in Outlook, they go to a meeting and they just add to the churn of the bureaucracy that slows all progress down and the people that actually end up having to get that thing shipped get labeled as the person who works long hours nonstop so that way they can be the best. Or in this case, they say, I love this one, they try to avoid meetings that don't have a direct impact on the project like retrospectives. They believe those meetings are useless and a waste of time. They might think the job of a developer is mostly to write code and not to care about meetings unrelated to programming, even though retrospectives are useful and foster continuous improvement. See, there's, there's bias in that. There's an assumption about that person's thoughts and what what motivates them, right. and then there's a bias explanation of why retrospectives are good. Now, what if well, I, I, what if what you sure. really have is a bureaucratic layer of a company that just sits around and has meetings to self-sustain itself and doesn't really contribute any actual value to the process? I would also try to avoid that and try to get my work done, but then I would be labeled gonna, as somebody who avoids meetings.
1: Let me take it even further, though I will say that retrospectives can be helpful. Um... What if you have an IT management bureaucracy who are so risk-averse and so ignorant of good development maintenance that they do things like don't update their development platform for five years, and then something happens and there's a fire and there's a tremendous amount of pressure on either an outside vendor or their internal development team to just get it done. The development team does what it was asked to do, takes on a ton of technical debt, and then is told to stand down or the outside vendor is not given another uh, work order or another co- whatever you want to call it, it. It also to actually clean it up, add tests, add things that actually go to overall quality.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it also. Fact, that is the most common scenario I see lead to this. I, I agree. And I want to get it. We're saying we are punting this to the audience to give us your thoughts. I'll, I'll conclude yeah. with this because this to me also feels like a way to self-rationalize loyalty to explain why you don't like this person. It says here they tend to stay with the same company for a long time because they might not have enough general skills to try opportunities, just domain-specific knowledge they acquired in the company.
1: See, again, this is so funny because coming at it from the contracting perspective, what I often get the call for is, oh my God, we didn't update you know, Java in four years or something. Come come, help us do that. Okay, well, we can do this in the next, you know, we can do this in 100 hours, but then we're going to need... You know, another fifty to do these quality of life, these best practice things to, to keep you in good shape. What happens? You do the minimal upgrade, and then like you know what? We're uh we're going through some budgetary issues, um, so we're gonna hold off on those. You know, nice to
0: haves. Hmm. So I, I, I but I, what I would like to hear from is anybody who's worked either in the situation where they can see from Mike and I's perspective, or if you've worked in a situation where. You have a good team flow and this kind of, this kind of behavior is, does sideline things. I, I kind of feel like there's somebody out there who's like worked in a team that's just jamming so well. They're just, they're just jamming, Mike, that they don't, uh, they don't have an issue. Uh, real quick, just FYI. We don't probably really have much t- discussion. Heads up that the lottery to maybe potentially, if you're lucky, go to Worldwide Developers Conference has kicked off. Tickets are $1,600 and uh, you may or may not get to go. San Jose, California, June 5th through the 9th. Although, I would say maybe if you think you might want to go, plan the trip anyways because there's going to be a lot of S going around in town. Apple's putting some money down to to actually make that happen. So there's going to be people getting money to do events around San Jose in general. So That's kind of cool. So a little FYI on that if you want to go to WWDC. Any inclination from you, Mr. Dominic, to go now that you got that new MacBook?
1: Uh, no, I do not think I'm going to go.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yep. Probably coming to your MacBook soon, too. Another heads up just really quick. iOS 10.3 is out with APFS. So HFS gets upgraded, I guess is the term to use. Gets converted to HPFS from HPFS Plus to APFS. So back your ass up first. For the Apple files. Do you want to save the follow-up on the MacBook for the Thursday show? I think we, Yeah, I think we should save
1: the follow-up on the MacBook for okay. the Thursday show.
0: I have two um, more things for you before we run. Um, that I just want to uh, I kind of thought this was because one of them is very applicable and then one of them is a tool so let's we have a couple of things in the show notes that I think I'm going to try to cut out and we'll bump them to Thursday um, because yeah 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 I got a couple things and I think one of them might be more surprising than you expect Mr. Dominic dun, 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 yeah a little tease for yourself a little tease for yourself there so before we get to our tool of the week and uh, something that's I don't know, pretty applicable to some of the things we've talked about on the show. I want to mention Scale Your Code. We're about to talk about uh, Stack Exchange and Stack Overflow, and these are huge websites now, services and sites like this, like the ones we were just talking about, just massive sites. If you want to learn from folks that built those sites, the communities, the tools behind them, and the software, go to scaleyourcode.com. You can learn from successful developers and get access to interviews, tutorials, and blog posts. It might be really useful if you're trying to build something. You just subscribe with your email address, it's a mailing list. You get like, I don't know, two or three emails a month. It's not It's not like you're getting a bunch, bunch of junk or something. And, of course, you're going to unsubscribe anytime. You get interviews with experts that give you real information, stuff that's like hard-learned lessons. See how they run their platforms. Resources that surround you with these experts too are really nice. They get great posts on that stuff. Like I was just – speaking of Stack Exchange, I was just remembering that Nick Craver over here has a post. Now, uh, Nick is a software developer and system administrator for Stack Exchange. He says he keeps pretty busy over at Stack Overflow, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And uh, the rest of uh, – uh, between that and the software stack for that and keeping the network running, he stays pretty busy. Um, he also does a little database work in there. He does it all, really. He also does a little of their data center stuff and, de- and does some of their debugging stuff. It's a fascinating, fascinating interview. Check it out at scaleyourcode.com. Lots of great interviews. Learn from renowned engineering cultures learn how they run their tools and production, the mistakes they've made, software engineers and system administrators as well. ScaleYourCode.com. Just go to ScaleYourCode.com right there. There's no slash. Just go to ScaleYourCode.com and sign up for their mailing list, free mailing list, low-flow mailing list, where you get access to the interviews and posts at ScaleYourCode.com. Thanks to ScaleYourCode for sponsoring the Coderator Program. So speaking of El I thought this was really interesting. They had uh, they, they gave us some stats. Forty million people visit Stack Overflow to learn, share, and level up. Huh. They estimate sixteen point eight million of these people are professional developers and university students. They got a they got a great map. Now get ready to have your mind blown. You ready for this? About three quarters of respondents in the survey identified as web developers. Um, They also are interested in building desktop apps, but, uh, yes, 72% web developers, then 28% for desktop apps. Full-stack web developer was how 63.7% of folks identified themselves. The United States has a higher proportion of people who identify as a full-stack web developer. Germany has a comparatively lower proportion. As for mobile developers, the U.S. and United Kingdom have proportionally more iOS developers and fewer Android developers than the rest of the world. Not surprising. (laughs) because <laughs> India <laughs> and China. Um, this is also sort of uh, one thing that I took away from this. Um, a lot of developers have been only in it for a couple of years. Yeah. It starts to trail off, and then a huge jump again at 20 or more years. There's our dark matter devs, and also, look, in this range in here, these are the dark matter devs too. There's, <laughs> it's pretty fascinating. Uh, but that's not what I took away. Uh, they say, web and mobile developers have significantly less professional coding experience. <laughs> Burn! Actually, it's true, though. On average, developers in other technical disciplines, such as system administrators and embedded programming, have more experience. Don, that was interesting for you.
1: Pass that. Yeah, it is interesting. I mean, there's there's a couple of things here, right? So one, JavaScript is just, you know, ripping the shit out of the world.
0: Yeah, but Rust is getting a lot of love, and, and Swift has fallen to play, uh, position number four on the love list.
1: Why are you saying things that hurt me?
0: Well, I'm telling you, maybe you should get all in on Rust, that's all. Oh,
1: okay. I thought you were going to say Swift. No, Swift um, has
0: fallen down the popularity list by yeah, four positions, and, and, and I think that makes sense, right? Because it, yeah, it's not as new. The newness is wearing it. Uh,
1: the representative newness. I think we're seeing a wide trend of like boot camps, and you know, Rutgers University, which is a publicly funded college uh, in New Jersey, a really famous one, right? Actually, has their own like certificate program now. That's like a pseudo government-subsidized bootcamp to retrain people as JavaScript developers.
0: So the bootcamp thing is interesting because they did a survey on bootcamps and uh, 45.8% of those surveyed said they'd already done a bootcamp after they were a developer. Like they didn't start by, they didn't become a developer through a bootcamp. They said it's more like they go in there to like change or significantly upgrade a skill set and become more relevant in a new job market. But less than a month, only 6%. Only six percent to the bootcamp thing. It's four to six, only four to six months, four percent. I already had a job as a developer when I started the program, forty-five point eight percent.
1: And I bet you there's some number of dark matter developers using these bootcamps to transition yeah. over to something. Yeah, that's, you know.
0: that's kind of what I was thinking too. Is that's a big part of it, or it's like, well, now we got to move to this new stack. Ah, uh, uh, Windows is the most commonly used platform. Linux desktop number two, dude. Boom. <laughs> yeah. That seems like a I don't know that's that's a mind bender right there yeah Rust is the most loved I thought that was fascinating and then there's the there's a, something in here about uh, most loved and dreaded platforms
1: yeah what was the most dreaded I I didn't I didn't actually get that to that part
0: dreaded platform is SharePoint the most dreaded platform oh, is SharePoint oh, of course it is yeah. so, I mean
1: I didn't even think that would register on the
0: yeah yeah that's I thought that was interesting. Uh, also, then Salesforce, then WordPress, then Windows Phone, then mainframes. People would rather develop for mainframes than Windows Phone. Then the Windows desktop, then Arduino, then Android, and then you know what? So the most the most loved platform is Linux, and the least dreaded pl- platform is also Linux. Yeah. So there you go. Linux is uh, still rocking it hard. And of course, when you're talking when like we were earlier, Docker and stuff like that. That's yeah, man. Look at JavaScript so though. Holy
1: crap! I'm wondering. I'm wondering if we can like extrapolate out of this and say that the trend is going towards web technologies. I mean, is this just confirming things we've been talking about for a few months now, right? Where, yeah,
0: yeah. Although or, interesting Visual Studio is so disliked, but at the same time, it's also one of the mo- most heavily used tools. That's a weird dynamic. Well, is that a work I thing, you think?
1: Work, I think it's a work thing. I was going to say, I think if we were to section off the dark matter devs and just find out like what percentage of them are, are living in VS – I bet you it's extremely high.
0: Yeah, it would kind of would seem to be just by looking at those results. Huh? Ooh, that's got to be rough. You hate the tool the most, but then that's the number one used tool. That's a that's a tough situation.
1: Well, and there's probably—I mean, to be fair, there's probably a correlation between like time you spend in the tool and how much you hate it, right?
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, because every tool you use a lot, you end up hating. They all suck
1: because you end up hitting the, the the issues with it much faster.
0: It's even true for. It's true for all professions. It's true for all. It's all tools. It's so true. Uh, well, okay, Mr. Dominic. Well, before we run, shellcheck, shellcheck.net, you can uh, – it's also available, um, I think, uh, on a lot of distros repos. It's a uh, GPL shell checker. You just basically find bugs in your shell script with it, uh, and that's kind of it. It's kind of neat. It's if you if – you, also, if you're curious, since it is open source and you want to see a Haskell project, well – it's a Haskell project you can go check out. So I've linked to a embedded version that's on the web, but uh, you could also just install it on your local local machine and uh, shell check for all. You know what? Because I thought we talk about all this other stuff. Let's get real. Where it's really just get at the end of the day. At the end of the day, even some of the fanciest programs get started with with a Bash script. So. We all oh, need I actually wake show. up every morning with a bash script. Of course, right? Yeah, right next to one. Just wake it right up, maybe have a little bash script in the morning, like a, like a wake and bash.
1: <laughs> That's what you do, is you wake yeah. and bash. You so, know? And, and at night, I wind down with a bash martini.
0: <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen, listen, now, we're going to get out of here, but we'll be back pretty soon, sooner than usual. We'll be back here on Thursday, this week to record while I'm driving down to Texas. So we'd love to get your feedback a little bit earlier. If we can, go to jupiterbroadcasting.com contact, or even better, go to radio.reddit.com. Go there, give us your feedback. That's kind of quick for me to incorporate in the show this week. Mr. Mr. Dominic, Mr. Dominic, I'm giving you a heads up. Do you want to, uh, Do you want to point anybody to go anywhere online this week? Yeah, go to uh, Buccaneer.io and you can find my YouTube channel where I have lots of guides on all the stalker stuff. Aha, uh-huh, nice. Also, I'll, have, I'll plug mine. I'm going to be uh, vlogging the trip to Texas YouTube slash Chris Fisher. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you right back here on Thursday, which will probably be released on Monday. So see you next Monday. I'm going to go with that Monday.